speaker uh, this morning. It is everyone's favourite assistant pastor, Mr. Kieran Rye. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for you um, before we get uh, get started there. Um, no, that's um, it's just a reflection of the love that this church has for you, my friends. So uh, let's let's pray. God, I just thank you for this man. I thank you for the journey that you've taken on in his life. I thank you for the call on his life. God, I thank you for today. God, I pray that you would open our hearts and our heads to hear from you through him. God, I know that. Uh, he has words on, on paper, but God, I know that you work miraculously to allow us to, to, to hear your voice, to, to know the, the, the encouragement, the comfort, the challenge, the, uh, the things that you, you are drawing us forward into. And I know that you'll allow us to hear those. So open our, our ears and, uh, and, and eyes, our, our hearts and our minds for what you have for us this morning. Bless Keran. God, bless him with, with peace. And God, I pray you'd bless him with uh, just your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. Hey. Hey. Um, yeah, my name is Kieran, and I am um, an assistant pastor here at Coast, which, is, um, which has been an amazing journey. I can't believe it's coming up on four years. Um, my parents are here today, um, so uh, hey, mum and dad. <laughs> um, I said I, I said I wouldn't single them out, so I'm just good to get that out of the way. Um, thanks for coming up, um, I, and also uh, I feel like an apology is in order. Um, on your new sheet, um, that that is me in red vinyl pants. Um, so I apologise if your children saw this photo. I'm so sorry. Um, um, this this was actually. A, a costume party, believe it or not, um, and yeah, yeah, it was, it was. Uh, actually, funny story and true story. I think there was a red mark left on the Lily's couch after that party from me sitting on it with my vinyl pants. So um, I still owe you guys for that. Sorry. Um, so um, dress up parties—they're kind of they're kind of divisive. Some people love them, some people hate them. Who who loves like getting in a costume? Okay, and and who hates it? Okay, yeah, that seems about right. Um, well, I'm, I, I kind of love them. Um, so I've, I, I was going to put some photos up here, but I'm, I'm not going to do that for your sake. But um, I, I've got a bit of a rip for going over the top. Um, and um, yeah, well, like one time a friend had a, a, a geek-themed party. So um, everybody kind of came in their um, suspenders and stuff and glasses. I came in a cardboard box as a computer with Facebook on the screen. <laughs> Um, which uh, made it difficult for social interaction, but it was worth it. It was worth it. Um, yeah, and and funnily enough, I saw um, I saw a guy last night on the TV dressed up in a ref's uniform. That was pretty funny. Um, but in, anyway, um, anyway, moving on. Um, so this photo was taken. Um, this was from a party. It was uh, disco themed, um, and it's funny when you get um, well when you go to a costume store or something. They have all these different kind of themes of costumes. Um, so I'm, I'm 28 years old, um, and um, I, so for a lot of these kind of eras, I wasn't actually around for them, so they kind of just become these, these concepts. So this was disco, and it was kind of, kind of around this time of the, the hippie movement, right? Um, so th- this was tied in with this whole thing of um, free love. Have you guys heard of the free love movement? 
Yeah. Um, so this was, I kind of looked up a definition because I was like, I wasn't around for it. So um, I want to know what this was all about. Um, and don't worry, this is, uh, I'm not continuing on um, from where Matt left off last week. But, um, <laughs> um, but this was a concept propagated by hippies and other countercultural rebels during the tumult of the 60s and 70s. The idea is that people should be free to love each other with no commitment besides what they feel is right. Um, so that was, that was the free love movement. Well, today we're going to be talking about freedom, um, and that's the title of today's message. And actually that perspective that that is what freedom is for um, is not unique to that period of time. Um, people have been trying to, to use their freedom in that way for a long time. And um, I'm, we're going to be continuing with our series on 1 Corinthians, and um, we're going to look at how Paul was speaking to this issue of how do we use our freedom? If we are free, what's the best way to do that? Um, so if you've been here for um, any of the, the series, um, hopefully you've, you've been enjoying it. If you've missed out on any of it, it's, it's all on the website, um, coast.org.nz. So go check it out. You can listen there to the, um, the last few messages. It's been awesome. So um, we're looking at Paul's first letter in the Bible to um, the church in Corinth. And um, this was a, it was a bustling city. It was, it was a happening place where there was all this newfound wealth. And um, they kind of prided themselves on being a hot spot for um, intellect and for the brightest and wealthiest people. Um, some people have said it was like the New York of its time. It was happening. There were all sorts of different people there. Um, yeah, cheers, Mitch. Um, so Paul had spent some time, this is around the year 50 AD, he'd spent some time with them, about a year and a half, but then he'd, he'd traveled away and he was giving them input um, and, and guidance from a distance on how best to be a church together. There, there'd been a church started there, and they were trying to figure out, well, how do we carry on in amongst this kind of setting? It's, there's all sorts of people here. There's all sorts of fast and loose lifestyles. How do we be the church in this setting? Okay, so that's where we're jumping in. With this particular thing of this freedom that they're experiencing, Paul was wanting to speak to this too, um, to say, how can you best do this in a way that's going to help each other? And the punchline that we're going to look at today is that Christian, Christian freedom is not freedom just to do what we want. It's freedom for a purpose. It's freedom to love other people. It's not just freedom from restraint, it's freedom for a purpose. Okay, so we're going to dive into this. You ready? All right. Well, freedom is it's actually one of the major themes of the Bible. It's not always what people think of first when they think of Christianity, right? But all throughout the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, um, this theme of freedom is, is there. Jesus described uh, sin or, or brokenness in the world as a kind of slavery, as a kind of captivity. And he said that he came to set the oppressed free. Previous to Jesus' coming, the, the main way of connecting with God um, for God's people was through a whole bunch of laws, right? They had a whole lot of rules and strict practices that they had to follow, and that was the way of connecting with God. These were set out in the scriptures. Um, and it was all about what you, you could and couldn't eat, what you could wear and when, what to do on the Sabbath or rest day. Um, there's heaps of them. How to make animal sacrifices. But through Jesus, his life and death and resurrection, that changed everything. And 
by taking our sin and brokenness and standing in our place, um, Jesus broke the power of sin and made it possible to get to God without the need for all of those laws and rules. So the new freedom wasn't just freedom from sin. It was freedom from these, this strict set of practices, right? And um, this was good news. Um, but the early church had to figure out, well, what do we do then? How, how is the best way to live? How do we work this out? Does this mean that just anything goes? Does it mean that it doesn't matter what people did? Well, Paul was writing in this letter to say that this fr- new freedom had a purpose. Um, and as we've been going through this series, we've been um, kind of dipping into this book um, by a theologian and scholar called N.T. Wright, um, which is called Paul for Everyone. Um, and he's got some great stuff in there. If you can get a copy of it, well worthwhile. Um, but this is how he puts it. He wrote, Christian freedom is not freedom to do what you like, but freedom from all the things that stop you being the person God really wants you to be, which is freedom for the service of God and the gospel. All right, so we're going we're gonna to take a look at what this means um, and what these purposes look like for, for us today. But I'd really like to just take a moment to pray now together. So let's pray. God, I thank you that there is freedom in you. I thank you that uh, you've, you've made this available to us. And I pray this morning, Lord, as we dive into this together, that you would give us um, something, something real to, to taste and experience of this, Lord. And I pray that you would equip us to, to live in this freedom well. Um, I pray that you'd uh, take whatever words that I have to speak, and, and may they be from you, Lord. I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so using your freedom to love others. Um, so I'm going to just read from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verses 23 to 24. And this is a pretty famous uh, uh, couple of verses. Um, this is Paul saying, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. So this is Paul saying that love is the filter that we're going to start with for deciding how we, how we live and what we do with one another. Um, and this is, uh, we've talked about this sometimes before, that, that a definition of love that's quite helpful to just ground is wanting the best for another person and taking action to make that happen, right? So when he writes, no one should seek their own good but the good of others, he's talking about love. Okay, so first, don't be a stumbling block. That's one way that we can use our freedom to love others. Don't be a stumbling block. Um, and I put it up here as uh, things we don't do. So this is, this is half of the equation. One of the ways that we use our freedom to love others is by things that we choose not to do, even though we have the right to do them. Um, so what, what a lot of people don't realize at the time in, um, in cities like Corinth, um, that there were a whole lot of temples, but these, these temples, they were, kind of like, they were kind of like the restaurants of the time. Because what people would do, they would, they would take their animal sacrifices to these temples, and they would, um, they would kill them there, they'd cook them, and they'd prepare a feast as a kind of uh, worship to whatever that temple was for. Now, these temples, they were for all sorts of gods and goddesses at the time, um, like Apollo or Venus, you know, those kind of 
fancy sounding names. Um, they also had shrines to the rulers of the time and their families. Um, so people would bring these animals and kind of cook up a big barbecue, essentially. And there was usually more meat than the, the worshippers could eat at the time. So they would invite people to come around and they would, they would eat their fill. But what would happen with the leftover meat is that they would go to the market. And that was pretty much where all of the meat in a city like Corinth would come from. It was this meat that had been offered as a sacrifice in a temple and was left over and so was sold for general consumption. So for, for the people, uh, for the Jews in the ancient world, this was, this was problematic because this, this meat had been offered to other gods and they didn't want to have a bar of it. And, and this was part of their devotion to God, um, to the one true God, that they didn't want to make themselves unclean or um, impure by eating this stuff. But for this new church that was uh, emerging in Corinth, um, it was a little bit more complicated because some, some teachers were teaching that um, with this newfound freedom that it didn't actually matter what you ate because these idols, these, these gods and goddesses that, these, that the meat had been offered to, they didn't actually have any power, so it, it didn't matter. Um, they were even saying, look, if you want to, head along to the temples and eat there because they don't, that's not actually a real thing. Um, so it makes no difference what you do. Um, so you can imagine the kind of tension arising between the two schools of thought um, and the confusion as well. well. What do we actually do? Okay, so we're going to jump in. This, this, that's just a bit of background for where we're going to jump into here. Um, so this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, um, verses 9 to 13. Um, And this is Paul saying, Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you, with all your knowledge, eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister, for whom Christ died, is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I'll not cause them to fall. And in the, in the lead up to that passage, um, Paul has acknowledged, well, yeah, we do have the freedom to do these things. There, there is no power in these idols that we have to be afraid of. But the thing that we do have to consider is our brothers and sisters. Um, and I feel like this, um, this is kind of brought to life a little bit by the message translation of the Bible for this passage. Um, so I'm just going to read from there as well. Um, and so the message translation, it's, um, it's just a version put into modern language that's a little bit uh, easier for, for us to understand sometimes. Um, so I'm going to read from that too. But fortunately, God doesn't grade us on our diet. We're neither commended when we clean our plate nor reprimanded when we just can't stomach it. But God does care when you use your freedom carelessly in a way that leads a fellow believer still vulnerable to those old associations to be thrown off track. For instance, say you flaunt your freedom by going to a banquet thrown in honor of idols where the main course is meat sacrificed to idols. Isn't there great danger if someone's still struggling over this issue, someone who looks up to you as knowledgeable and mature, sees you go into that banquet? The danger is that he will become terribly confused, maybe even to the point of getting mixed up himself in what his conscience tells him is wrong. Christ gave up his life for that person. 
wouldn't you at least be willing to give up going to dinner for him? Because, as you say, it doesn't really make a difference. But it does make a difference if you hurt your friend terribly, risking his eternal ruin. When you hurt your friend, you hurt Christ. A free meal here and there isn't worth it at the cost of even one of those weak ones. So never go to those idle, tainted meals if there's any chance it will trip up one of your brothers or sisters. So hopefully you hear the heart of that passage, which is love means we consider who's in the room. Love means we consider how our actions and our choices um, affect other people. Um, And, you know, this is actually, it's, it's in stark contrast to the dominant thought of our culture, which is just... You do you. (laughs) That's actually a phrase from our generation. You do you. You figure out what you want to do and just go go for gold and let the world kind of adjust around you. This is a different perspective. So practically, I mean, a lot of us, I mean, when was the last time you did an animal sacrifice at the temple? Probably probably not recently. (laughs) And so you're probably reading this and thinking, oh, well, um, how do I I apply this? And um, I'd really love for us to look at how we can um, use our freedom um, and orient that in love towards the people around us. Um, one, one example that we can look at is being conscious of the things that, um, that our brothers and sisters are struggling with or have struggled with. Um, and for example, if you, if you had a friend who has in the past um, struggled with alcohol and had perhaps um, an addiction there or just uh, bad experiences where that had been um, dominant in their life. Um, If you were going to go and catch up with them, probably not that helpful to say, well, why don't we meet at the bar? Um, Probably not that helpful to, um, you know, just be um, drinking as much as you want in front of them because that could lead them to stumble. And this is, this is an example that there's lots of debate about because people say, well, I'm, I'm free to do what I want. I'm free to have a beer if I want to. And yes, you are. Um, but Paul's perspective is, let's consider how that's going to affect our brother. Um, we, we kind of came across this um, last year. A few of us went over to Nepal. I think I talk about this every time I'm up here. <laughs> so um, yeah, just a little proud moment. Um, um, and hopefully we're going to be going again. Um, so if that's a bit of you, just a little plug, let's talk. Um, but um, when we went over there last year, um, what we found, as, as you do when you're traveling, um, we took some games along with us. Um, and some of them was just pack of cards. But um, what we didn't realize and what got explained to us is that for um, a lot of people and Christians over there, playing cards, it's synonymous with gambling. So if you're playing cards, you're gambling. <laughs> um, and we weren't gambling, um, just for the record. <laughs> but um, uh, over there, that was seen as something, you're doing, you're doing things that aren't helpful. Um, and so we were, I don't know what we were playing. Things got pretty competitive, so they probably thought we were gambling. <laughs> um, I, I traveled with competitive people, but I tried to keep the peace. <laughs> um, so we had to adjust. And we, we, um, we, at times we didn't play because we knew that um, that, would, that would be unhelpful. And at other times we um, played where we couldn't be seen. <laughs> but... But the, the key is that um, we had to consider how our actions had effect on other people. Um, and this extends to everything that we do. 
um, because we, I, I think Jacinda talked um, last week or a couple of weeks ago um, about how leadership um, is influence, and all of us have influence over the people in our lives. So every choice um, impacts people around us. And so even down to the movies that we choose to watch, um, if you're having friends over, if, if down to the music that we choose to listen to, um, everything has impact. And in our, in our world, um, especially in Auckland, we've got so many different, um, different cultures and different um, religious backgrounds too. It's kind of, kind of similar to what Paul's describing. Um, and you might, you might one day find yourself in a situation where you go around to someone's house and they have a different faith to you. And, um, you know, they could have all sorts of different um, things set up that's part of their religious practice, um, like shrines or um, things set up for worshipping different gods and have the incense going. Um, and you can walk into that place and you, you've got to decide how is the best way for me to act in love in this place. Um, and we, we're going to explore this a little bit further um, because, unfortunately, the... Paul's goal here wasn't to give you black and white instructions. He's actually wanting to give uh, permission to use your judgment. So for Paul, he talks about the conscience in that, um, that passage that we read together. And he, he sees the conscience as kind of like this internal, internal compass. Um, I, um, ha- have any of you done orienteering before? Yeah, a few of you. Well, I, um, well when I was in school, I think it was intermediate, I was, I was pretty good at running. Um, I was um, pretty quick. And, and one of my friends, he was like a national-level orienteering guy. Orienteerer? I don't know what you call them. Um, but he was like, okay, why don't you join our um, orienteering team? Give it a crack. And so if, if you guys don't know what it is, um, orienteering, you, you get a map. It's got uh, some kind of spots you've got to go to and clip a little thing. And it's a race to get around, navigate your way to the places you've got to get to, and come back. And I thought, okay, I'm pretty good at running, so I'm going to give this thing a crack. Um, well, there's two parts of it. There's the running and the navigation. <laughs> and uh, d- directions and navigation was not a talent of mine. Um, and what I found out that um, if you're good at directions, being good at running is really helpful. If you're bad at directions, being good at running means you get lost really quick. quick. <laughs> <laughs> and or you go in the wrong direction for a long way. Um, so yeah, I um, I competed one time, got well lost, um, and just had to kind of trudge back to the <laughs> to the car park and wait for my teammates to arrive. Um, so that was my experience of orienteering. Um, but one thing that you carry is a little compass to um, to give you direction, to keep you oriented on the goal that you're going for. And so for Paul, this this was kind of what he was speaking to about this thing of the conscience. Um, but it's not, it's not a thing that's static or that's the same for everyone. He, he's saying that that compass can actually be pulled off course, that the things of our society or our culture can actually affect that, and things get kind of blurry. Um, and so he's writing this saying that that conscience can be reset, but it takes time. So we need to, we need to act in patience with um, our brothers and sisters, if they've got a different kind of compass from us, or if theirs is still in the process of being reset. Okay, so I, I just, um, 
I'd love to encourage you to think about the people who are in your life and think about the way that um, you can show love to them um, by the way that you act. And if we're going to do this together as a community here at Coast, um, let's help each other out. Let's, let's not trip each other up. Okay, so there's the things that we choose not to do, even though we have freedom to do them. But there's also the things that we can choose to step into, the things that we do. Um, and I've called this um, building, building bridges. So um, we're, we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 23. Um, all right, so here we go. Even though I'm free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose-living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. But I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all of this because of the message. I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. So what Paul's talking about here is building bridges or having common ground with people um, that he's wanting to reach. Um, and this is, uh, this is a real challenge for us. And another way that we can use our freedom to, to show love to other people. See, for Paul, it meant that when he was with, with people who were under the law, that, old, that law that um, had been, um, that they'd been freed from, he, he still chose to step into the things of the law just in order to be able to be with them. So it means he would have gone to their synagogues. He would have observed their Sabbath laws when he was with them. He would have um, probably backed off on the bacon consumption um, just in order to be able to, to speak their language. And likewise, when he was with those who weren't under the law, he would have adjusted to them too. Um, and this kind of, this kind of framework of, of making space for people, of, of uh, finding common ground, of, of building bridges with people, it actually informs a lot of the stuff that we choose to do here at Coast on a Sunday. Um, like you might notice that when you come in the doors before the service um, or, or after the service, we have a playlist going that's um, usually songs from the radio. Um, hopefully familiar songs. And, and the goal with that is that um, the church can be a scary place to come to if you've never been before, right? Um, you don't, sometimes you don't know what to expect. And, and if it's your first time here with us this morning, um, well done for making it through the door. Um, but the music we play, um, it's just one way that we can create a sense of, oh, this is a place where I can actually, I can be. I, I recognize this song, or there's, there's an atmosphere here where I can actually be involved. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's one way that we do it here at Coast. Um, we also, we, we try as far as possible to make everything we do accessible with the language that we use, um, with having coffee, not at the break, but before and after. Um, but that's the goal there, in order to be all things to all people. Um, I, um, I'm part of the young adults group here um, at Coast, and I love hanging out with the young adults who tend to gravitate to that kind of area. So, yo. Um, <laughs> we, do a, we do a group on a um, Tuesday night, and it's, um, I love it. And um, one of the things that I realized um, when, I, um, when I moved up here and started doing this stuff is that people have different ways 
of communicating. Like my, my preferred way of communicating is probably on the phone or, um, or email. But um, what I found quickly is that um, email was just like sending something into the abyss for the young adults, right? <laughs> so um, a, a bunch of them just love using Facebook Messenger. I'm awful at Facebook Messenger because I lose messages, but I choose to use it because I know that it will get through. Um, and this is another way that I could say, oh, look, if you can just um, bend to what I, what I like, can you send me an email? It's, it's probably not going to work. Um, but to try and build that bridge, um, I, I choose to use different ways of communicating. Um, all right. So we've looked at things that we step into that we, um, look, we've looked at things that we choose not to do, and we've looked at things that we can choose to do. Um, and all of this is about using your freedom for the sake of helping other people find God and to connect. But Paul also spoke about using freedom wisely for, for individuals' growth and development as well. Um, and so I just want to change gears a little bit here to look at how we can use freedom wisely for yourself. So one way that he, uh, he talks about here in 1 Corinthians is about training. It's using your freedom to become all you can be. Um, so let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, um, verses 24 to 27. And he says, Do you not know that in, in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So what does this have to do with freedom? Well, I'd like to suggest that we can use our freedom to develop what God has given us. Um, and Paul is saying the best way is to, to train like an athlete. They, they had some pretty serious athletes back in the day. Um, and, you know, it would require a strict diet, uh, training every day, um, and even pre- um, scheduling and rest. But it encompassed every aspect of life. And sometimes when we're training and growing and developing, it feels like we're going into hard athletic training. Um, and this is another way of giving up rights and freedoms. So for Christians, this means taking time to, to learn, to pray, growing in courage to step into things that are beyond what you're currently in right now, um, but, but making decisions that allow you to grow. Um, I used to teach guitar to um, some intermediate and high school age students, and one of the one of the first things I would always tell them to do is to get a guitar stand, um, and which seemed like weird advice, but the reason being was that it meant that they could keep their guitar out, ready to practice every day at any time, even in the ad breaks, um, and. That kind of mentality is what I think Paul is talking about here, is being deliberate and making choices that make it easy to grow and develop every day. Um, Even um, when I think about some different people that I know um, in in the church here, I think about um, 
Phil, who's a business owner, and he's, he's called to, to business. Um, but he, he's made choices in his life to, to train, to get the skills as an engineer, um, to be able to do that well. He, he gets um, additional training about how to run a, run a company. He orients his, his life and his fitness um, to be able to do that well. Um, it's, it's all channeled into a, 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 the same goal. Um, I think of some friends of mine um, who went over to Bangladesh, and he, he was actually an engineer as well. Um, but they went into a language school over there and spent, I think, uh, months and months just, just learning the language in order to be able to serve with the skills that they had. Um, recently, we had the Alpha course, and I know we had a bunch of you who came along specifically with the goal of getting some helpful language around sharing your faith or being there so that you could invite people along um, and that's going to help them grow. Um, it's deliberate steps to, um, to grow and to train. Um, so th it's never too late to form a new habit. It's never too late to start stepping into the things that, is gonna, that are going to allow you to be the most that God wants you to be. Right, so that's part of using freedom wisely for yourself. Uh, another part that I just want to touch on um, about using your freedom wisely for yourself is, is actually exercising caution around the things that we choose to step into. And this was one of the, one of the big pushbacks on what Paul was saying in this, um, in this letter, saying, well, does that mean that we can just do anything? Does that mean that we can uh, just bend to what the culture around us is telling to do? And he was saying, no, there's... Use, use your judgment. Um, exercise caution. Um, and elsewhere in Galatians, he, he talks about freedom and says, don't enslave yourself again. Don't go back to the things that um, had kept you captive before. Um, so for you, it might be thinking about temptations that you're susceptible thing, to, the things that you've struggled with in the past. And even though you might be free to, to do certain things, um, if you're going to take yourself near to a place where you might cause yourself to fall, that's not wisdom. One of the things that um, I think secretly we really crave is, uh, is for a real black and white rule book. It was, sometimes we'd love for the Bible to be like that, wouldn't we? Just to say really clearly, this is what you should do and this is what you shouldn't do. Um, but I think... God deliberately hasn't made it that way so that we have to engage with the things and the people around us um, in a genuine way. Um, if, you did, um, if you did do the Alpha course, um, one of them was about, uh, one of the sessions was about how God guides us. Um, and it talks about a few things that God can use. Um, and I'll just whiz through them there. There was scripture, there was God's spirit, was wise advice, common sense, and signs. And what this was talking about is just all different ways that we can get God's input um, into what, what we should and shouldn't do. I think sometimes we want that, uh, that legalistic approach because it would take us off the hook, right, from having to, to think and engage about what we want to do. Um, but... God actually wants us to succeed, and he's given us the tools to do it. And part of that is, is each other here. 
So I just want to come into land, and um, I think what Paul writes here um, sums it up the best in 1 Corinthians um, 10.31. He says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And I think that sums it up. It's, we have freedom to choose um, how we live. We have freedom to choose what we do do and what we don't do. Um, but his encouragement is to do it all for the glory of God and to think about others around us and how that impacts them.